As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Welcome to Spin Rate, presented by Topps. Check out Topps Project 70, celebrating 70 years of Topps baseball cards. That's right. This is Spin Rate, the Athletics Toronto Blue Jays podcast. My name is Drew Fairservice, and we're here, of course, talking about your Toronto Blue Jays, who, at this time of recording on, uh, what did I use it today? Wednesday? Wednesday. They dropped the series two games to one to the Tampa Bay Rays at the Tropicana Field in uh, Tampa St. Pete. Which, not what you want. A bit of a bit, bit of controversy there between the Blue, Blue Jays and the Rays. The benches did empty at the end of uh, Wednesday afternoon's game after Ryan Barucki plunked Kevin Kiermeyer. After Kevin Kiermeyer committed the the heinous sin of picking up a card off the ground that may or may not have had Blue Jay scouting report reports on it for opposing hitters based on uh, a card that would have been in the possession of Alejandro Kirk. Moments before, and I kind of said it a bit today. I I don't know what why anyone would be mad at what Kiermaier did. That's what all anybody's going to do uh, is just grab it. I mean, it's a it's a competitive advantage. It's not like he. I don't know. I don't think it's so bad. I don't think it's it's something that was worth getting as mad about it as everybody did. And then it went on not for two days, and then apparently Kevin Cash and and Charlie Montoyo smoothed things over. And then there comes Ryan Baraki with the beanball. Which you never like to see that. You don't want to see anybody get hurt. But at the same time, maybe you kind of like to see that. Shrug. But anyway, Caitlin and I discussed it a few weeks back. And I said, we both agreed that if the Blue Jays go 3-3 and against the Rays, we think they would make the playoffs. Well, guess what? They went 3-3 and against the Rays. So fingers crossed if you're a Blue Jays fan. Big one, of course, coming up is still that series with the Yankees. As the Yankees continue to be pesky, to stay around, to not go away. But the Blue Jays have, at this time of recording, four coming up against the Twins in Minnesota. And then that series against the Yankees, which is a big one. Maybe. The Yankees' schedule coming home is tough. Not as easy as the Blue Jays, who have the Twins, the Yankees, and then the Orioles, of course. But you know this, if you're listening to this show. You know what the job ahead of the Toronto Blue Jays might be. But I wanted to talk to someone about the Toronto Blue Jays, someone who knows... 
some of the players in the team, someone who knows what it takes to, to develop players. So this was fun for me to talk to Kevin Goldstein of Fangraphs, national writer of Fangraphs, and of course the host of the Chin Music Podcast. Uh, Kevin and I had a great chat talking about Teos Hernandez, which is not only uh, Kevin's favorite thing to talk about, it's everybody's favorite thing to talk about because everybody loves Teos Hernandez. Having an amazing season that we all love to see from a guy who is the king of good vibes. So with no further ado, I'm going to remind you of two things. I'm going to remind you to subscribe to The Athletic, to go to theathletic.com slash spin rate, to subscribe to this show and let them know that you're listening by using our little code. You can get so much of this pennant race coverage from Caitlin McGrath, the co-host of Spin Rate, who covers the Blue Jays, from Lindsay Adler, who covers the Yankees, from Keith Law, who covers the prospects, from the national guys who cover the scandals, from Eno, who covers the science. This is the time. Subscribe to The Athletic if you haven't already. It's also the time to subscribe to this show if you haven't already, wherever you get your podcasts. If you're on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Podcaster, what's that other one called? Podbean, wherever it is, dial it up. Take this show into your arms and hold it like you love it. I don't know about that. But anyway, that's the housekeeping. It's out of the way. So right now, I'm going to go to the conversation I had with Kevin Goldstein of Fangraphs. He's a national writer at Fangraphs, and he's the host of the Chin Music podcast at Fangraphs, where uh, they have no accounting for the, the taste of guests, where I was a guest <laughs> earlier this summer. Uh, but they do, on Chin Music, have great musical guests. His name is Kevin Goldstein. Kevin, thank you so much for taking the time. Oh, of course. Good to be with you. You have to balance the good musical guests with the, the bogus Blue Jays guests when, uh, when the opportunity <laughs> presents itself. I think, are you repping a Kowloon Waltz uh, City sweater right now? There you go. I am. It's, uh, it's an old school one. I've got the I've got the elephant uh, shirt. That one's upstairs myself. as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, two new of uh, two very good new Calvin Walt City uh, songs are out there. From what I assume is to be a new record. So yeah, I'm for excited. sure. Um, I'm I am I consider their bass player a dear and close friend. He is. Uh, I would consider him a, a a very much a friend from online. I <laughs> uh, have been on uh, the broadcast many times in the past, and uh, we did a live stream at the beginning of of all of this on some of the YouTube, but uh, one of the good ones, Ian yeah. Miller, shout out. Yeah, we love, we love Ian. I actually, I was in the Bay area about six weeks ago and took an afternoon and went to his, uh, his home and had, uh, had a, a fine lunch and afternoon with he and his lovely wife. Well, his ears will be burning when he hears this. We had Burmese he, food. Who, 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 Burmese, who does that? Ve- vegan Burmese food. Burmese food. Exactly. That is exciting. That's, you know, you live in, you live in the Bay long enough. You'll, you'll get, you get there. It's it's a gear that not some of us have to, have to aspire <laughs> to. Uh, speaking of aspiring to things, we're here to, of course, talk about Toronto Blue Jays. We can talk about Ian. We can talk about Colin Wald City and and uh, and heavy metal all night long. Uh, I, I I wouldn't tell the cows come home, but that's not what people are tuning in to. This we uh, we and they we want to know what uh, or I want to know what you think about these your Toronto Blue Jays here as we uh, come down the stretch in the in the 2021 season. Um, I, I, it's funny because I think when you add it all up, if you look at, you know, you think about the start, you think about what did the trade deadline, you think about the super hot streak that got him back into the playoff race. And, and then you think about, you know, it's Thursday and what we saw this afternoon against the race. I think if you add it all up and just look at the Blue Jays win loss record right now, it's kind of what we thought they would be, right? 
they'd be an above 500 team who would compete for a playoff spot. Not a monster, uh, a team with a lot of really good players, a team with some very obvious and glaring flaws. At the end of the day, they're about in a 500 team, and that's what they've been in. They're in a, they're in, you know in the running for a playoff spot, if not you know kind of a light favorite to get a playoff spot and end up in in the coin flip game. So I think overall they are with B. I mean, you know, I'm not telling you anything. They might tell you most days um, they need to hit. You know, the 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 the, the, the you know that team revolves around and, and the starting pitching has been you know pretty impressive of late. But that team revolves around whacking balls around the park and, and hitting balls really hard and. That tends to be what they do, and that tends to be what they need when they win. And um, you know, we'll see what happens from here. But you know, they are a favorite to to make the wild card game. It's a it's an interesting bunch, I think, because uh, I I tend to agree with you. At the beginning of the season, I said I think if if the Blue Jays don't make or are you know if if I had to say they were going to be in this position in in March, I would have been like if they weren't in this position in March, it would be in my mind a disappointing season. There's a lot of talent on hand, but I don't think that if you ask me to describe how it would look in terms of especially individual performances. Like if we sat here and said, well, yeah, Robbie Ray would probably be the kind of odds on favorite front runner or, or if nothing else, like a seven win pitcher, like no matter how the award season shakes out, everyone would say that I'm crazy. I, I don't know what you think about a guy who, who, who has had obviously such great stuff, but, and hasn't done anything spectacularly different, but now here he is, a guy who's just putting up in, incredible numbers. I mean, this is this is kind of like I don't know a player development kind of dream, but just like the right tweaks made at the right time, and they really unleashed a, an excellent player. Yeah, I mean, there's a story to be told here, and, and it, uh, I'm sure someone will one day figure it out. And um, I don't know, you know, how much of it was just you know maybe analytics, how much of it was coaching, and I'm sure you know, as always, even though it, it tends not to be credited. A lot. It's the player. The player deserves all the credit. You know, Robbie Ray always had great stuff, and and Robbie Ray was always, um, you know, when I was with the Astros, you know, what the Astros did with pitch day at the time was ahead of the crowd, and 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 you know, from day one, Robbie Ray was identified as a guy with unbelievable stuff, Mm -hmm. um, you know, stuff beyond it, above and beyond, and now all of a sudden this season, he is, you know, his walk rates less than half of what it's been historically. And and that's everything. And all of a sudden he's locating and throwing strikes. And, you know, if you can do that with those kind of weapons that he has, you're going to be a monster and he's been a monster, but you know, it's, it's, it's a really good point that like, yeah, they were, they should be, but like, I don't think in April people were talking about Robbie Ray as an MVP. I don't think even in April, I think everyone loved Vlad, but I don't think people thought Vlad would do this. Um, I'm mm-hmm. sure some thought, I'm sure, you know, everyone thought he'd be better, but not like a thousand OPS dude. And so all of a sudden, you know, you do have some surprising performances, but at the same time, there's obviously some disappointments and, you know, it started before the season started with Kirby Yates and, um, you know, it's, it's, it's been a weird year and, but, but that's how most teams are. I think if you look at teams that are, you know, where you thought they would be the way they got there doesn't necessarily match up with what you thought would, it would be in April. It's just, you know, more of a, you know, some players are going to overperform. You know, some players are going to underperform. It's just like, where are we starting on that baseline? For sure. Yeah. Rare. I mean, I think back at the 2016 Blue Jays as an example, where like they ran six starters out there. That's it for the whole season. Like four guys made 30 starts and then two guys, one guy made 20, one guy made 10. And, and the team generally looked as you expected to look, but though that's the exception to the rule. Um, I, one thing I'd love to, to get your thought on something I've talked a little bit about on the show with some other folks too, is like the idea of how it comes up to the player and it's a, the player 
you know, making changes or in, kind of integrating uh, uh, feedback. But but how much of that in terms of player development is recognizing a guy who's going to be able to do that? We we love this guy. If he did this, it could it could really unlock him. But is he that guy to make that change? Yeah, for sure. I, it, it's a big part. It's something that, uh, you know, uh, maybe gets underreported in the sense that when you're looking to acquire a player via trade or free agency, you know, a lot of work goes into like, what's this guy like? What's this, you know, who is this person you know, beyond just the talent? And, um, you know, I, 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 the first real success story that the Astros had uh, doing that kind of thinking was with Colin McHugh. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was very much, you know, Colin McHugh was a claim off a 40 man roster. And it was very much, wow, his worst pitch is his two seam fastball. That's the pitch he throws the most. His best pitch is his curveball. That's the pitch he throws the least. What if we tried something and said, stop throwing this, start throwing that. Um, and luckily, uh, you know, and we did some work on Colin and he, it seemed like, and he is like an exceptionally cool dude, mm-hmm. um, acquired Colin McHugh. And it got to the, you know, and, and he was like, yeah, if you think it'll keep me in the big leagues, let's try it. You know, cause he was a bounce up and down guy. Mm-hmm. I mean, he was very open to it. Um, certainly acquired players, not going to name names here who went to him. Like, you know, we have some ideas we can prove. And it was very much, you know, can I use profanity here? Oh yeah. Yeah. Go it, was nuts. Like, it was very, you know, fuck you dorks. You know, and that, <laughs> that was that. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, and, and I think at times, and I'm sure, and maybe maybe Robbie Ray's become this guy, but I always remember, um, you know, when the Astros trade for Justin Verlander, um, and Justin Verlander seemed like like it opened you know open to things. Uh, at the same time, he was Justin Verlander, so he was with multiple Cy Youngs, MVP awards. He could have walked in and said, "Screw you guys, I don't care what you think. I'm just pitching." It would have been okay, great. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, but he walked in. and He said, "Show me everything you got in me. I want to see everything you got. I want to see every single piece of data. I want to know everything you think." And and then it turns into a thing where you acquire players down the line and Justin Verlander's pulling these players aside and going, hey, listen to them. They know what they're talking about. This is what they did for me. That can mean more than just having like an analytics guy go talk to somebody. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. And, and, and you know, and having a good pitching coach makes a huge difference uh, for that kind of stuff. But it, it's really important to kind of know who you're getting and see, you know, are they open to change? Are they open to suggestion are they open to coaching or do they just think this is what i am and this is what i do and 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 there are both of those beasts in major league baseball we'll be right back with more spin rate but first check this out looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone luckily with 24 7 us-based live customer service from discover everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime day or night yep you heard that right you can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. 
is there room for, I'm trying to think of the best way to, like almost like a nerd whisperer. I know that, that uh, Rick Eckstein, David Eckstein's brother, served in a sort of, in a role like that, where he was like, kind not in uniform in the dugout, but was sort of trying to be a go-between and, and somebody who can just help either the nerds, for lack of a better term, to like, speak this you know to walk the walk and talk the talk and, right. and and help the other guys to get that buy-in do you do you think that there's maybe a, a bit of a role in that or is it just is is there value in having a guy who can have a foot in both worlds i guess i mean I, I my suggestion would be to just cut out the middleman and have your have a pitching coach who can do that mm-hmm. have a pitching coach mm-hmm. who cares about this stuff but then knows how to speak to players and work with players mm-hmm. um i i I've, i think direct interfaces between um like in office analysts and players, I think are tend to be counterproductive. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, you know, having a pitching, you know, I think the best thing to do is to have pitching and hitting coaches who are open to those discussions and they are the person relaying it to the player. That makes a lot of sense. And I also wonder I, as the, as the game is changing in terms of just the aging, the next generation comes through so many of the young players, I think have been through such specialized coaching and been through the drive lines and those sort of places where a, a lot of those places throw jargon at everybody anyway as an attempt to be like a market you know as a marketing tool but b so many of these players perhaps have been through that kind of specialized coaching and they're more used to hearing things in a bit more of a of a soup to nuts way as opposed to a you know baseball just rip it rip it kid whatever yeah, no, it's, it's a massive difference you're right and, you know it, it gets to the point where you know you're drafting kids now and you get them into your space and they've already seen their rap soto data or their track man data they know what their pitches shapes look like and and you know, it even just the concept of pitch shape is anything but foreign to them. They know exactly what you're talking about. They know exactly what, you know, they want. And you can kind of hit the ground running. And and because they've been exposed to it already, and, you know, most college programs have a track man unit in their stadium, you know, and, and they're mm-hmm. using pitch data, the, the larger schools. And so, uh, you know, the, the even the high school kids are seeing, you know, Rap Soto and track man, things like that, uh, uh, the bigger names, the, the, the showcases and things like that. So, you have reached the point really over maybe just the last five years where your know, teams are drafting players and they're coming to you already. Um, if not completely and utterly comfortable, at least having been exposed to the technology, it's not a completely, what the hell is this thing? You know, what are you putting on my bat right now? You know, what are the, what are these numbers? What are these dots? That's not the case anymore. You get these kids in and, and they, they, they're already acclimated in some ways and can kind of hit the ground running better. And they're just, they're even, you know, far more open to it. And I think, you know, part of that is seeing all the success stories that we've seen, you know, coming out of pitch data and things like that, that, that they're, it's not, they're not as resistant to it, if you will. So we can't talk about player development without talking about a Blue Jays player development success. Uh, the one by all others, by which all others should be measured, well, this decade anyway. And that's, <laughs> of course, Teoscar Hernandez, someone who you get asked about every time you're doing any kind of Toronto media because... Well, people love him. People love Teoscar Hernandez, who seems like he has the best time on the field, seems like a good dude, and is having an insanely great year. Did you think that this was inside of him, this kind of a season, like where, where he's just hitting for power, hitting for a really high average, uh, you know, just making it work? Um, I mean, let me start my answer by saying that, like many of you and many of your listeners, I also love Teoscar Hernandez. Um, and, and I know Teoscar. And, um, and now I will say, no, I did not think he'd be this good. I thought he was going to be, um, you know, probably a good fourth outfielder, maybe a second division starter if everything worked out. I, I, I never thought he'd hit for this kind of power or this kind of average. And, um, 
so no, I, I'm pleasantly surprised that he has, and that I couldn't be happier for Teoscar. Uh, but no, I didn't think he'd be this good. I'm, I'm not sure anyone did. I, I, I know. To be fair, I'm not even sure the Blue Jays would. You know, if, if the Blue Jays were, you know, if you got him in the corner, put a couple of drinks down their throat, I think they'd probably admit to you they didn't think he'd be this good either. Uh, but you know, you take it. Like you know, like I said, players sometimes overperform, underperform. Sometimes players change in dramatic ways, uh, both for good and bad. And uh, and Teoscar might be a really good lesson for for all of us, really, in just the sense that, um, you know, when I, when you think about players who exceed expectations. Uh, a a frequent factor in that is makeup and and uh, you know Tasker's makeup is literally off the charts um you know he works incredibly hard he also and I think this shows and, I, and you know it goes back to what you said when you when you first brought him up is just that that dude loves playing baseball and and I that that matters it matters a lot and it, it matters for how you know how much guys are going to work and um he's been really good I I I, I'm, I couldn't be happier he's, he's you know he is my favorite blue jay and it's probably because like he's the Blue Jay, I know the best, mm-hmm. um, and I always had really good interactions with him. Um, but you know, I've told the story before. But like my, you know, the first time I ever traveled when I got, you know, I joined. I started with the Astros in September of 2012, um, and maybe you know, three weeks into that, I, I went to Kissimmee, Florida, for instructional league, and you know, went down there and was watching the team do instructional league stuff. And I remember asking like, "Who's the kid with the bat speed?" And somebody else, Tasker Hernandez, he's had a pretty good showing in the GCL. It's like, oh man, it's pretty interesting. And um, he wasn't regarded much of the prospect at all, but you know, he had bat speed and, 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 you know, clearly was, was twitchy and I, and liked him and I've been following him ever since. And you know, got to spend some time with him after that at, at low A and stuff like that. And, you know, see him, you know, most January's at our complex in the Dominican, get getting ready to come to spring training. And um, the kid just works and he loves baseball. Yeah, I should call him a kid. He's not a kid anymore. He's, he's, he's a grown ass man hitting, hitting balls 425 feet. So uh, yeah, I, I love Teoscar. I, I, you'll never find me say a bad thing about Teoscar, but yeah, you know, I'm, I'm, I can be honest with you and say, no, I did not think he would be this good. I'm just, I'm thrilled that he is. It's uh, to me, it's really interesting because he, to my eye, which is untrained, there isn't like a big, big change, right? Like there's a bit of a change in approach. I, I'm, I don't think that's unfair to say, but like he didn't go from being a guy who Baird doesn't really walk a lot and still strikes out a lot to being like a guy who doesn't walk a ton, still strikes out a lot, but he's just, he's so skilled and, and able to produce in a way that is, you know, his own, right? Like tons of power, but also hitting for a high average. I mean, they're, they're, that's, those guys are in, you know, either the elite of the elite or they've kind of gone gone away, you know, as as people are are encouraged to draw walks and be patient and get on base however you can. I I, I don't know if I would say I like it. I like it because it's working, but uh, I like because because he no one's tried to like remake him into a completely new player. It was like as you said, he's got this great bat speed, he's twitchy, and those seems like the things that are carrying him here as he's into his late twenties and having a career season. Yeah, and it's it's you know when I think about you know the Teoscar I first saw and the Teoscar that we see now, like the uh, there's two things. One is just kind of the physicality of Teoscar now. Um, he's so much bigger, mm-hmm. uh, just bigger and stronger. And, and, and that makes a huge difference. You know, it's, it's, I know, you know, as an industry, we get obsessed with, with exit velocities and things like that, but in today's game period, you know, like unless you're some sort of like weird freakish player, like, like Nick Madrigal or something, you really have to hit balls hard to survive. And so, you know, Teoscar hits balls hard. So he survives. And, I know the walk rate isn't insanely high. He's still an aggressive hitter. We both know that, but I do think he has definitely improved his approach. I think he chases unhittable pitches less. Um, 
he still mm. has the big zone, like his his kind of red zone for that's where the pitch is, and I'm swinging at it is still you know above average in size. But I do think it has cut down a little bit, and I, I do think he's less likely to make, um, yeah, for lack of a better term, like an embarrassing swing. You know what I mean? Like you know, the chasing that slider in the mm-hmm, dirt, mm-hmm. Or, or or you know that thing, you know, a foot and a half outside the zone that he that he tended to, you know, be his bugaboo a little bit when he was coming up in the minors. So I, I do think his approach is tightened. You might not see it in the walk total, uh, but I, I definitely think you it, it's there. It is an improved. There are improved swing decisions, and then just combine that with the just the the the, the pure raw strength increase, and 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 you know, I think those are two of the main reasons we've seen him become the the player he is. I, I feel like it's the difference between you know selective and patient, and then and aggressive, very much and so, yeah. Free swinging, and and I, I I wonder about so he's not alone in that. I think the Blue Jays are among the most aggressive teams at the at the plate in in the sport. Um, do you think that that is the sort of thing that can maybe be exploited against a good pitching team? Uh, you know, a team like well, say Tampa Bay as an example, a team that that is able to to sort of like find hole find those holes or or is it more of like a day-to-day thing like when the blue jays are on if they're making good to swing decisions nobody's going to get them out versus versus a good team can get the blue jays out i i i think you just have to live with the player being what the player is but i don't think it's necessarily an exploitable mm-hmm. thing i think you know and, and let, let's let's flip a little bit over to to bichette um bichette's an aggressive hitter right mm-hmm. and so you know i don't want anyone going to the plate looking to draw a walk um you know i think we get way too worried about like walks equal good uh you know if you see a pitch you can drive drive it and that's that's basically a good approach in my mind there are players like bichette um and and in some ways the oscar but i think bichette's a better example where the number of pitches that they actually think they can drive and and can drive and in reality is larger than it would be for others you know there are more pitch types and pitch locations that that you know Bichette can drive than even you know say Giancarlo Stanton, and so you know when you have that kind of plate coverage, I I I don't expect you to become that kind of walk machine, and nor would I even want you to. I think it just that's not your game, and let's not make you something you're not. You know I I always remember and I'm going to date myself. I'm an old man. I'm 52, but. You know, Alfonso Soriano was a fantastic player. People go, oh, he doesn't walk. He doesn't walk. He stinks. And like, if you, if you somehow, you know, got Alfonso Soriano to, to, to walk eight times a year, he'd be a way worse player because he wouldn't drive as many balls as he has. He's a bad ball hitter. I think, I mean, let's take Vlad's dad, you know, Vladimir Guerrero senior didn't walk a lot because he could hit everything, you know, and, and let him do that. And so, mm-hmm. you know, I just think you have to expect the players for what they are. And, 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 you know, I think the goal of any sort of, of, you know, player development group is to, to accentuate the positive and eliminate the negative. And, but you have to, like, this is our starting point. This is what this dude is. You know, we're not going to turn, you know, Bichette into Ricky Henderson. And uh, so let's not try. Why would you, you are already yeah, ahead of the you? game when you've got someone who can, who can drive such a, such a, a wide variety of pitches. And yeah. the one thing for Bichette that you, you know, since you mentioned him to is, is I'm so impressed with his ability to hit the ball with power to right center field. Again, he's like a small guy and he's obviously super aggressive, but he's just got so much power out there and, and can take any variety of pitches. And, and again, there are, you know, we've all seen and can probably think of 
guys that we would classify as free swinging guys who seem like they're getting themselves out. But sure. Bichette is a guy who goes up there and he's got a plan, right? He knows he, if he has a good idea of what the, what the pitcher is going to try to do, he knows he's a, if he's, if he's going to try to pull or he's going to go the other way, or if he sees this, he's going to take it here. And I mean, there, there's, is there an element, maybe not an element of like uncoachability or, or innate, maybe not innate, but like how much of that is just like pure talent? Like that's a guy you see them in, in, in a game situation or if you're evaluating, you're like, that's a guy who who has something that that I would love to be able to teach, but I don't know that we can. Right. Yeah. I, I think it's hard to teach plate coverage. I think, you know, there's balls you can get to and there's balls you can't. Um, but And for a guy like, like Boba Shett, he just gets, he, there's so many balls he can get to, you know, as far as get the bat on. Um, and there are, it's, it's a combination of, of it's, it's, a, that's hand-eye coordination. You know, we always mm-hmm. talk about like, oh, swing, his swing mechanics are bad, or, you know, he's got a hitch, or he's got a loop, or, you know, he's got this going. And that the one thing that we can't measure, you know, we can measure power. We can, you know, with exit velocity like that, we can measure, a, you know, a guy's swing path and his, the efficiency of that path. Um, there's no way to measure hand-eye coordination. And, and, and because of that, I think mm-hmm. we forget about it and forget about what an incredible factor this is in hitting, you know, and, and, but it's not something we can put a number on. It's not something we can say, oh, like, you know, Joe has 73 hand-eye coordination and Bob has 61. And that, that's why Joe's a better hitter, but it's, it's such a huge factor that we don't, you know, really talk about enough. You think about, you know, I mentioned magical, if you think about even, you know, a guy like Altuve, who just has insane hand-eye coordination, um, you know, mm-hmm. that's such a thing. And so, you know, you can't teach that. I, I, I honestly you know, believe, you know, you can make a hitter better with better swing mechanics, you know, especially at, at the at the kind of the launch and the trigger. But, you know, at the same time, I can't, you, you can't teach somebody better hand-eye coordination. It's just there or it's not. More spin rate coming up right after these words from our sponsors. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. So we can talk a little bit about Vladimir Guerrero Jr., who seems as though he has all of the things that any hitter <laughs> would want. And anything you would ever want a hitter to have, uh, Vladimir Guerrero Jr. has got it, and he's showing it. And, and you kind of mentioned off the top that you you probably wouldn't expect uh, at the beginning of the season you wouldn't say, oh yeah, he's going to be you know one of the two or three best hitters. Uh, or, or or one best hitters in baseball by the end of the season, but at the same time, watching him here through whatever six hundred plate appearances, to me, there's nothing that says this is temporary. This is something that's going oh, to no. go away because there are just so many skills that he shows in a given game, in a given week, in a given month that it's like this is as real as it gets. Yeah, I mean for sure. I, I, I this is yeah everything about it looks real. Um, no, I, the only question that you have is like, at what point do you just go, "Hey, Vlad, you're a DH, and let's go from there." Um, but you know, off the, but that's mm-hmm. defense, and uh, you know, offensively. No, I mean, I don't have any idea how anyone could have any sort of criticism for what he does offensively, and uh, you know, it, it it you know took a little bit, took some adjustments. He made those adjustments. Uh, I think the league adjusted to him, and then he adjusted back, which is what stars do. Um, and and I. Mm-hmm. see no reason to expect him to be one of the most productive hitters in baseball for 
you know, the rest of the decade, really, um, you know, provided he stays healthy and, you know, so we can all knock on wood off for that one. But um, yeah, like, you know, all of mm. the, you know, we know what the numbers look like and we can, you know, call up his BRF page and everything like that and go, wow, that's amazing. Um, but at the same time, like all the underlying stuff, um, you know, the numbers that, that, that teams look at when they're evaluating player, all of those numbers suggest that this is very real, that there's nothing flukish or lucky or anything like that. Like all those underlying data say this should be a guy who puts up numbers like he's putting up. And so, uh, you know, I, I think it's very real. We know, we know what kind of hitter this was when he was coming up. Um, we know what he looked like when he was 15 and he looked like he was a monster. And so, um, yeah, I, have, I, I, I see no reason to think that, that, you know, Vladdy Jr. is going to keep being Vladdy Jr. The last name I'll ask you about is a, a, another one that maybe you know pretty well, other than Teos Hernandez, of course, George Springer. Uh, Blue Jays are not uh, Blue Jays fans haven't seen him at probably at his full powers for 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 the much of the season, but obviously that's a guy that there was a lot of belief in in the front in the Toronto front office and probably and for good reason. Um, what do you, what can Blue Jays fans expect to see when George Springer is able to kind of um, get? all the way healthy and get back to a hundred percent, uh, you know, in terms of his health. Yeah. I mean, you saw it for like three weeks there, right. Um, you know, mm-hmm. like when, when George is healthy and George is always a streaky guy, but when George is healthy and hot, George can put a team on his back and, and, and absolutely carry them, you know, and he also, and this is soft science and, and, you know, again, not something that still shows up like, and but I think you see this already. I hope Jay's fancy is already like George, George brings the vibes, right. And and mm-hmm. George brings an energy that is infectious, and I think he is you know an incredibly valuable guy to have in the clubhouse. Uh, I think he brings leadership, experience, like real posy stuff, uh, you know, super positive energy to to everything he does, and I think that stuff matters too. But you know, I, I you know a healthy George should hit two seventy with thirty, and 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 makes all sorts of exciting plays and he's got, you know, a million ways to beat you. You know, he doesn't steal bases, but he does run well. Um, he gets on base, he can hit for power. He can make good plays in the outfield. Like he, there's all sorts of ways he can impact a game. Um, and, and beyond all of that, he's a guy you want around. Um, and, and, you know, I know he's scuffling right now. I still don't think he's hundred percent and, but you gotta keep throwing mm-hmm. out there and hoping you're going to get George at some point. Uh, Cause he's, he's a, he's a special player. Even and also a guy who who showed that like steady improvement as as from a young player to into his prime, where you know just just improving his his swing decisions, I think is is the term that you used and and one that makes sense when you look at strikeouts go down and 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 the walks are are steady, but everything else starts to come up and and again and also I think obviously Astros fans remember and and Blue Jays fans in moments here that a guy who is. Who is more than more than primed and more than ready to come and deliver when the big moment uh, demands it as well? Yeah, he. I mean, that's the thing. Like he's he absolutely he's not a shrinking violet. He he wants to be up at the game on the line. He wants to be he wants to be in the middle of of, of big moments and um and and that's a real thing and that matters and and but he you know he he doesn't only accept it. He absolutely thrives on it. Kevin, I really appreciate you, uh, you you giving me the time and you working through some uh, some hydro related challenges. Yeah, Where can the people uh, find you and your work and your show and all that other good stuff? Oh my goodness! If you want to read the garbage I write, uh, you go to Fangraphs. If you want to listen to me yammer for two and a half hours a week, I have a podcast called Chin Music. You can find that on Fangraphs, or you can just search for Kevin Goldstein Chin Music on whatever your favorite podcast application is. 
Um, if you want to see me be an asshole on Twitter, you go to Kevin underscore Goldstein. Um, and I'm, I'm not going to give up my phone number or address. Those are probably the three best ways to, to keep, keep track of me. Fair enough. We will not. You could have my phone number too, if you need it. But, Oh, sweet. I will, (laughs) I will take it. And I will, uh, I will, uh, ask you about, uh, about uh, what you think about Death Heaven. No, I, I won't ask you that. <laughs> I, I, that. That record doesn't do it for me. But uh, but that's it. I really appreciate the time. I really appreciate everyone tuning in to this edition of Spin Rate. We will back, be back on the weekend, Caitlin and I, talking about your Toronto Blue Jays. So until then, thanks so much for listening. 